Well, good morning and welcome to Cross Point Church. Whether you're here in Sioux Falls or somewhere out there in cyberspace, we are really grateful and thankful that you've chosen to take the time to worship with us this morning on Easter Sunday. As Christians, we believe that today is the greatest and most exciting day of the year. This is bigger than the Super Bowl. It's bigger than the seventh game of the World Series. It's bigger than the Tonys, the Oscars, the Grammys, and the Emmys all rolled together. It's bigger than birth announcements. It's bigger than weddings and anniversaries. It's bigger than graduations. We believe that today on Easter Sunday, that it was almost 2,000 years ago when Jesus, the Son of God, the long-awaited Messiah, the King of kings and Lord of lords, rose from the grave and conquered death. And not only is that miraculous in and of itself, but we believe that Jesus is just as much alive today as he was on that day in Jerusalem 20 centuries ago. And as a church, we find ourselves in, well, it's sometimes difficult to describe this situation. It's uncomfortable, and it's frustrating. As a church, we wish that we could all be together, worshiping face to face. But because of the coronavirus situation, that's not possible. And just because 50,000 other churches across the United States find themselves in this same exact situation, that doesn't make it any easier for us. So we remind ourselves, and I think we need to remind each other regularly, that God is, and God has always been, and God always will be in absolute control. I'd like to share two scripture verses with us this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. And I want to spend just a moment on verses 16 and 17. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. Where God's word says, For everything was created by him, in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. And then a second passage, if you turn with me please to Psalm 147, verses 4 and 5. I'm what some people would describe as an underline in your Bible kind of guy, and I believe that verses 4 and 5 of Psalm 147 should be underlined by everyone. Let's just think about these verses for a moment. It says, He counts the number of the stars. He gives names to all of them. Our Lord is great, vast in power. His understanding is infinite. Just imagine with me for a moment what it would be like to go outside in the middle of the night not in town, because in town you never have this experience. There's too much lighting. But if you drive out five miles into the country in the middle of the night, on a clear night, and stand there and look at the stars, just imagine for a moment what it would be like to have the ability to count all the stars. And then when you're done counting, which humanly speaking we could never get to, but when you're done counting, then imagine naming each of the stars. 
the verses say he counts the number of the stars. He gives names to all of them. It's that God who numbers the stars. It's that God who gives names to all of the stars. It's that God who's in absolute control of everything that happens. So, as we come here together on Easter Sunday morning, don't think for a moment, please, don't think for a moment that God is in heaven nervous and all excited about the corona situation. He has everything in His control. He's not running around trying to figure out what to do. He's not anxiously waiting for the 5 o'clock news to come on so He can discover what happened in the world today. He doesn't need anyone. He doesn't need any organization to give him their predictions about next week. No. He is, and he always has been, and he always will be in absolute control, even when things make little or no sense to us. Let's remember our two rules for living. Rule number one, God loves us. And rule number two, we report to him. He doesn't report to us. So before we look at our scriptures for today, let's just take a moment, and I'd ask that you to bow your heads, and let's pray together. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we, uh, we ask again that you would calm our anxious hearts. Help us to be submissive and obedient to those you've placed in authority over us, while at the same time being mindful that you and you alone are the one who's in absolute control. We ask that through this craziness that we call the coronavirus, that you would draw all of us into a closer relationship with you. And help us, dear God, help us to, at least for the next few minutes, to forget about everything that's happening in the world around us and to quietly look into your word and see what your word has to teach each one of us. And today, Lord, today above all other days, we thank you for sending Jesus into our world. And we thank you for his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And we ask all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Andy Rooney was a well-known news commentator on CBS television. His most famous uh, time on TV seemed to be when he did those editorials at the end of each 60 Minutes news show on Sunday night. He worked for CBS TV for 33 years until he died in 2011. Years before that, during World War II, he was a wartime correspondent for the uh, uh, military newspaper called Stars and Stripes. And he actually wrote a book called My War, which was published in 2002, telling many of the stories that he actually witnessed and experienced during World War II. One of his stories has to do with a particular group of military called the 8th Air Force. I, I just want to take a moment and read a story about the 8th Air Force. These are the words of Andy Rooney. It goes like this. The 8th Air Force had a disastrous day when it bombed Regensburg deep inside Germany, and I was there waiting to interview some of the flyers when they got back to the base. It was the custom for concerned ground crews and flight crews that hadn't been assigned to go out that day to gather in front of the control tower shortly before the bombers were scheduled to return. 
all of us on the ground that one particular day were relieved as what he calls specks began to appear in the sky over the English Channel. And as those specks grew larger, they turned into dots. And as they got closer to the base, they turned into spots. They went from specks to dots to spots. And as those spots got closer, radio reports started coming through and it became certain that the ordeal was not over. There were dead and dying men on board half a dozen of the group's bombers. Then there was a frantic call from one of the radio operators. A ball turret gunner was trapped inside the plastic bubble hanging beneath one of the B-17s. It seems that the gears that rotated that ball to put the gunner in the position to shoot and then return the gunner back into a position where he could climb out of that plastic bubble back into the aircraft, those gears had been hit by enemy bullets and the gears were jammed and the gunner was trapped inside the plastic cage. Two of the engines on that same B-17 were no longer running which meant there are now 3,000 pounds of dead weight hanging underneath the wings of that plane. The plane was losing altitude fast, and it barely able to stay in the air at 135 miles an hour. They said it was close to stall-out speed. The pilot gave the order for the crew to unload everything on board. The crew started throwing out machine guns, 50 caliber ammunition tracks, oxygen tanks, and every instrument they could tear off of the control panel in an attempt to lighten the load and keep that floundering plane in the air. Then they discovered that the hydraulic system was shot full of holes and fluid was leaking everywhere. The gas tanks were leaking. Nothing worked. The wheels on that particular B-17 were folded up underneath the wings and without a working hydraulic system, there's no way to lower the wheels, which meant a belly landing was their only option. Rooney said, there were eight minutes of gut-wrenching talk between the tower, the pilot, and the man trapped below the plane. There was nothing anyone could do. We all knew what happens when there are no wheels. With tears in our eyes, we all watched in horror as it happened. We watched as this man's life ended, crushed between the concrete pavement of the runway and the belly of the B-17 bomber. I would like us to travel back in time. I want us to go back to 20 centuries ago, back to a time when thousands of people in the Roman Empire were crucified and people would stand and watch as it happened. History tells us that the Romans used crucifixion to put people to death because they considered it to be one of the most brutal and shameful ways to die. The Romans didn't invent crucifixion. The Romans discovered crucifixion in Persia, when Alexander the Great invaded Persia in the 4th century BC, uh, Alexander the Great brought crucifixion back to the Roman Empire. And for the next 500 years, the Roman Empire implemented crucifixion until it was outlawed by Constantine I in 4th century AD.
the act of crucifixion was considered to be so shameful by Romans that they never crucified any of their own citizens. They only crucified soldiers, Christians, and foreigners. History tells us that tens of thousands, perhaps as many as hundreds of thousands of people were crucified in the Roman Empire. On one particular day in history, on one particular day in 71 AD, 6,000 men who were associated with a guy named Spartacus, 6,000 men were crucified on one day. Can you imagine, looking down the road, how many crosses, that would be 6,000 crosses. Why, those crosses would go on mile after mile after mile. And people would just travel down the road. They were so accustomed to seeing people crucified that they hardly paid any attention to it anymore. It was just a normal, everyday thing. Jesus himself was crucified on the pretext that he claimed to be a king, and Rome saw that as a threat. So today, this morning, on Easter Sunday, we remind ourselves that when Jesus shed his blood and gave his life, he did that for us. He did that so that we could be free of our guilt and free from the punishment of our own sin. For thousands of years before Jesus came to live on earth, God had accepted, in a miraculous way, in a way that only God can do, God had accepted the offerings of the blood of animals as the full and final payment for our sin. People 2,000 years ago would bring pigeons and sheep and cattle, and they would bring those to a certain location where the high priest would then have a process where they would cut the throat of the animal and they would take the blood of that animal and pour it on the altar. And when they did that, God accepted that blood offering as the full payment for their sin. It seems like the blood sacrifice of the Jewish people was directly related to that night years before when the Israelites were leaving Egypt. And God told them that they should offer the blood of a lamb on the doorposts of their house because on a particular night, God said that the death angel was going to pass over Egypt, which is where we come up with the name Passover. Jewish people today still celebrate Passover. But it's a reminder to them that on that night years before, the death angel passed over every house in Egypt. And if your house had taken the blood of a lamb and sprinkled it on the doorpost in the frame of the door, when the death angel passed over, everybody would be safe. But in those houses where there was no blood, the death angel killed the oldest child in that family. A blood sacrifice always reminds us that there is a cost to the blood sacrifice. The price of the animal involved represented a price that had to be paid by the one providing the offering. Each time a blood sacrifice was made, it reminded us that there's a cost to this blood. The blood sacrifices of the Old Testament foreshadowed the coming of Jesus in his death on the cross. The blood of Jesus was poured out for the sacrifice of the sins of the people. But there is a significant difference, and I want us to understand this. In Jewish history, the priest would offer blood sacrifices again and again and again and again for the sins of the people. The same people would come back time and time again and offer more blood sacrifices over and over again. But when Jesus went to the cross, he offered his blood once for all. 
for the sins of mankind. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 26 and 27 says this, For this is the kind of high priest we need, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He doesn't need to offer sacrifices every day as high priests do, first for their own sins and then for the people. He did this once for all when he offered himself. In your Bibles, I would encourage you to underline those three words in verse 27, once for all. You see, God accepted the blood sacrifices of the people and they were fine. They could offer the blood of an animal and they would, their sin was forgiven until they sinned again. Once they sinned again, they were required to offer another blood sacrifice in payment for that future sin, the one they had just committed. And then they were fine until they sinned again, which in most people's lives, if we stop and examine our own lives, multiple times each day we sin. So those Jewish people would have been required to offer multiple animals again and again and again as the forgiveness of their sin. But when Jesus came, when he shed his blood on the cross, it was once for all. The writer to the Hebrew says it was once for all. No further blood sacrifices would ever be needed. Now, we live in, an, we live in a, what I would call some kind of a wild, crazy world where most of the people today on Easter Sunday are not even thinking about Jesus and what this means. But let me remind us that Easter is not about little yellow marshmallows in the shape of ducks. Easter is not about coloring hard-boiled eggs. Easter is not about ham dinners and apple pie. Easter is about Jesus. Easter is a reminder to Christians everywhere that there really was a time when Jesus went to the cross and shed his blood once for all as the full payment for our sins. But just because, let's be clear on this, just because Jesus shed his blood on the cross, just because he died, was buried, and rose again, that doesn't mean everyone's going to heaven. No. No, it doesn't. The gift of eternal life is offered to people everywhere. But the gift of eternal life is only given to people, men and women, boys and girls, who have asked God to forgive them of their sin, and they have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. They truly, in the bottom of their heart, believe that Jesus is who he said he is, the Son of God, the Savior. And we believe that he paid the full price on the cross. He didn't pay just part of the price, and he expects us to do the rest. No, he paid the full price. So yes, Jesus did go to the cross, and he did die, and he was buried, and he did come back to life. But it's only those people who put their faith in Jesus who are going to spend all of eternity in heaven. Today's the day we remind ourselves that Jesus was crucified, buried, and came back to life. And that's what makes Christianity different from all other religions. Our leader, our founder, is still alive. Mohammed? No, he's dead. Siddhartha Gautama? No, he's dead. Raha Ramahan? He's dead. Swami Prabhupada? He's dead. If we could, and, and I don't believe there's any way to do this, but if we could go back and find their graves, and if their graves were 
mummified or preserved in such a way that their bones would... That's all that would be there is bones. But not so with Jesus. We know that he went in a tomb just outside of the city of Jerusalem. He's not there. His bones aren't there because he's still alive. That's what makes Christianity different than all these other religions. There's a story, and you may have heard it. It's about a Muslim who became a Christian while living in Africa. And some of his friends said to him, well, why did you become a Christian? And he said, it's like this. Imagine you're going down a road and you come to a fork in the road and there's two men standing there. One of them's dead. The other one's alive. Which one are you going to ask, what is the right way to go? Jesus is alive. And he wants to have a relationship with each one of us. And it's only because of Jesus and what he did that we can celebrate Easter. 2,000 years ago, technically 1,987 years ago, Jesus died on the cross, and he was placed in a tomb. I can just about imagine the Roman soldier said, well, that's it. We're done with this guy. He'll never bother us again. And then they rolled a large stone in front of the tomb. And everything went back to normal in Jerusalem. Everything went back to normal until Sunday morning when an angel came and rolled that stone away, and Jesus walked out of the grave. He overcame death, and Jesus is still alive today. Now, I want to close by reading a passage of Scripture from Matthew 28, which reminds us, reminds us of the events that took place in Jerusalem that day. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his robe was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken from fear of him that they became like dead men. But the angel told the women, Don't be afraid, because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has been resurrected, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has been raised from the dead. In fact, he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there. Listen, I have told you. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. Just then Jesus met them and said, Good morning. They came up, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus told them, do not be afraid. Our hope of eternal life is based on the truth that Jesus conquered death and is still alive. Now, if we go back to the Roman Empire, we discover there were tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of people who were crucified. So why was Jesus any different than all those others who were crucified? Well, the short answer is this. Jesus is the only one who was crucified and came back to life. And that's what Easter is all about. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you 
that we can pause from the busyness of our lives and we thank you that we can celebrate Easter. We thank you. We thank you once again for sending your son Jesus into our world and we thank you that he was willing and obedient to shed his blood as the full price for our sin. We thank you that he was willing to sacrifice his own blood and his own life for us and we're thankful that he loved us long before we ever loved him. We ask, Lord, that you would give the boldness to each one of us to share the Easter story and the truth of what Easter is all about, that we could share that with people who don't see it as important and don't even understand the significance of what happened today. Lord, as we continue to walk through and battle this coronavirus that's driving everybody crazy, we continue to ask that you would give wisdom to our leaders, that you'd give wisdom to President Trump, and you'd give wisdom to Governor Norm, and you'd give wisdom to our mayor, Ken Haken. Give them the wisdom they need to make decisions that, well, they're almost, they're almost incomprehensible. We ask, Lord, that each of them would be able to identify the right people to put around them to help make these incredibly large decisions. Help us, Lord, to be careful. Help us to be aware. Help us to be safe. Help us to be respectable of those people in authority over us. Help us as a church to identify ways that we can reach out to our neighbors and family and friends, that we can come alongside and help them, not just spiritually, but also physically with the needs they have. We pray, Lord, for medical workers. We pray for doctors and nurses who find themselves on duty with no way to take time off. We pray for our police and sheriff and highway patrol, and we pray for firemen and firewomen. We pray for EMTs who are on duty serving us. They're putting their life in danger every day when they go out there. They have no idea who they're going to encounter. And they have no choice but to go to work. Lord, we ask that you would be especially close to them, keep them safe while they're protecting us. And Lord, today we thank you once again for allowing us the opportunity to be able to minister to each other through the internet. We ask, Lord, that these words would fall on good soil and bear good fruit, that we could be an encouragement to the people we come in contact with. And so this morning we close with these words from Jude chapter 1. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless and with great joy. To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forevermore. On behalf of Cross Point Church here in Sioux Falls, we wish everybody a happy Easter and we look forward to having you join us again online next Sunday morning, a week from now, at 10.30 in the morning. May God bless you.